Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you'll learn about how a psychologist proved that pigeons can be superstitious, why allergy medications make us sleepy, and which one of the five ages of the universe we're in right now. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Name a behavior unique to humans, and I'll name an animal that does it too. Humans aren't the only ones who dream or laugh or even have self-awareness. And in the 1940s, psychologist B.F. Skinner added something to that list. He showed that pigeons can be superstitious. Even if you don't consider yourself superstitious, you probably are on some level. Do you ever knock on wood or avoid walking under ladders? That's all superstitious behavior. Researchers say superstitious behavior happens when an independent action, like opening an umbrella indoors, happens close in time with some reinforcement or punishment, like maybe a vase breaks across the room. And because they happen around the same time, you conclude that one caused the other. B.F. Skinner was a behaviorist who is fascinated with stuff like this. Most of his strange experiments centered on what's known as a Skinner box. That's a sensory deprivation vessel that limited an animal to one stimulus at a time. In one experiment, he demonstrated positive reinforcement by placing a rat in a Skinner box with a lever that produced a food pellet. The rat would first knock the lever accidentally, but as it learned how it worked, it began pushing the lever on purpose. But what would an animal do if there was no lever at all? For one of his studies, Skinner put hungry pigeons in a box. But instead of giving them a lever to push, he just timed their food hopper to release food pellets at regular intervals. Of course, the pigeons didn't know that. And in trying to predict when the food would arrive, their behavior turned pretty strange. One pigeon started turning counterclockwise between feedings. Others would bob their heads in the corner or make pecking motions toward the floor. Skinner concluded that the birds were demonstrating superstition. Just like opening an umbrella indoors and watching a vase crash to the floor, the birds were associating their independent actions with a reinforcement, and it seems like they believed repeating the action would lead to more reinforcement. If pigeons will act superstitious, what does that say about human behavior? Maybe that the sense that we can control our destiny through quirks of behavior is nothing magical. It's just a mistaken association in our brains. Do you have any superstitions? I never wear the race shirt on race day, but I think that's more like don't wear the band t-shirt to the concert than, than it is about luck. But there's a little bit of luck in there, too. Like you're not allowed to wear the shirt until you've run the race. I actually have a few shirts of races that I didn't run. And every time I wear them, I'm like, oh, this is bad. I'm doing something bad right now. <laughs> It's springtime for those of us here in the Northern Hemisphere, and that means warm weather, eventually, maybe, here in Chicago, blooming flowers, that is happening, and pollen everywhere. For a lot of people, including me, that means one thing, seasonal allergies. Do you have seasonal allergies, Ashley? I am happy to say that I don't, and I cherish every moment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're like me... When you're dealing with puffy eyes and a runny nose, you might think about taking an antihistamine like Benadryl. But those drugs often come with a strange and often unwanted side effect, sleepiness. And that begs the question, why do allergy meds make you so tired? Well, the answer lies in the way the body uses histamines. That word might sound bad. I mean, if I'm taking antihistamines, then histamines must be pretty harmful, right? But histamines are really there to help. 
They're a compound released by your immune system to get the allergy response started. Some histamines are always circulating in your body, but when there's an invader, certain white blood cells react by producing even more. Those histamines bind to a bunch of different types of cells, which makes them start secreting fluid and dilating blood vessels so oxygen, immune cells, and other things can react to the threat. Histamines basically act as an alarm for your immune system. The problem is that your immune system isn't perfect. Sometimes something totally harmless sets off its alarm, like pollen or pet dander. That might make your body respond as if it were fighting a cold-causing rhinovirus by inflaming your sinuses and triggering mucus production. Histamines work by binding to specialized histamine receptors on certain cells. Any histamines like diphenhydramine, which is the active ingredient in Benadryl, and doxylamine succinate, the active ingredient in NyQuil, they both work by blocking these receptors. If the receptors can't pick up histamines, the body can't respond to them. But histamines have more than one trick up their sleeve. They actually play a role in lots of bodily processes, from digestion to sleep. That's where the sleepy side effects of antihistamines come in. There's a structure that starts in the brain and extends to basically all parts of the nervous system called the histaminergic system. As long as this system is constantly receiving histamines, the brain stays active. When histamine levels drop, this system triggers sleep. The problem is antihistamines don't stay in their lane. They're able to cross the blood-brain barrier and block receptors there too. So you get a sleepy effect that's so reliable that doctors often prescribe strong antihistamines as sleep aids. As a response to this, some newer classes of antihistamines are made to be more discriminatory so they can avoid those wakefulness histamine receptors. The good news is that these drowsy side effects aren't harmful, so feel free to take an antihistamine. Just don't go operate a crane right after. You can tell time in a lot of different ways. I could say that we're recording this podcast at 12.13 p.m. on Friday, May 8th. Or I could say we're recording in the 21st century. If we're talking about the history of Earth, I could say we're in the Holocene epoch. Or the Anthropocene, depending on who you ask. But when it comes to the history of the universe, what would you say? Well, here's a fun fact. Some scientists say there are five ages to the universe. And we're in the Stelliferous era. If you're listening to this, the odds are pretty good that you are too. In 1997, astrophysicists Fred Adams and Greg Laughlin came up with a timeline of the entire past and future of the universe. And they did it by combining cosmological observations with fundamental physics. Everything started with the Big Bang, but it took a while for all the energy and matter to get together and form stable structures. This period is what they've dubbed the primordial era, and it lasted for a blink of an eye on a cosmological scale. The formation of those structures marked the second time period, which we're living in now, the Stelliferous Era. It means star-filled, and it gets the name because stars are the dominant structure in space. But it won't always be that way. When the universe turns one quintillion years old, the last bright, hydrogen-burning stars will have burned out. At that point, the universe will enter the Degenerate Era. And I'm not talking about my college years. That era gets its name from the objects that will still be around, like white dwarfs, brown dwarfs, and neutron stars. They're cooler and darker than the stars we can see in the night sky, and they're sometimes called degenerate stellar remnants. Black holes will thrive during the degenerate era. 
about one duodecillion years after the Big Bang, that's 10 to the 39th power, they'll be the only thing left. When that happens, the universe will enter the long, dark, black hole era. It will last for a truly unimaginable amount of time, because black holes evaporate at an astonishingly slow rate. The demise of the last black hole will usher in the final era, the dark era. According to Adams, in that distant future, the universe will be nothing but a smattering of radiation and subatomic particles. It will last for as long as physicists have so far dared to peer into the future. So if you're feeling down about the state of things right now, maybe look up at the stars and get some perspective. We're living in the Stelliferous era. It's literally the best time in the universe to be alive. All right, let's recap what we learned today. Well, a psychologist proved that pigeons can be superstitious because he got them to perform actions independent of a reinforcement. You know, I have a I have a BF Skinner t-shirt. Wait, really? Yeah, there's this website called Hirsute History. Hirsute kind of refers to hair. And so they have all these t-shirts that are like just the head hair and facial hair of famous figures in science. Oh, also the glasses. So it has his mustache and glasses and it says BF. It's pretty cool. Nice. <laughs> And we learned that allergy medications make us sleepy because antihistamines block receptors in your body that detect histamines, obviously. But histamines aren't just about your allergy reaction. They also help regulate your sleep. And allergy medications can't really tell the difference. Early on in my uh, radio career, I went into work on antihistamines. <laughs> and when I turned the mic on, <laughs> like during a commercial break, the host was just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so don't operate heavy machinery or do a radio show after taking any histamines. Yikes. And we also learned that there are five ages of the universe. And right now we're living in the second one, the Stelliferous era. It should last until the universe is about a quintillion years old. So get comfortable because we're going to be here for a while. Though there's nowhere I'd rather be. Or know when I'd rather be. I mean, I don't know. The black hole era seems pretty cool to just visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. I mean, at least at that point, you wouldn't have to deal with allergies. True. Today's stories were written by Ashley Hamer, Cameron Duke, and Grant Curran, and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Script writing was by Cody Goff and Sonia Hodgen. Curiosity Daily is produced and edited by Cody Goff. Join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Stay curious.